I'm James Hare, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Create till your eyes bleed. coming everyone. Um, so grateful to everyone for coming down and uh, nice to see so many people and like a bunch of new faces as well which is awesome and um, yeah so we have Isabel Marshall with us tonight and um, incredibly grateful to have you here too. Um, so Isabel started a company called Taboo Period Products while she was uh, 18 years old. And um, it kind of took off uh, to the point where, um, well, I, I'll get a bit more background off, off you in a bit, but basically it was started um, as a uh, not-for-profit um, to address period poverty, which is the idea um, that girls who are having a period in, especially in like a, places where they don't have access to the right products or there's a cultural kind of like tradition, um, basically just can't leave the house and go and do stuff, like go to school, get a job, all of that stuff. So you can imagine the impact of that. Mm. So um, yeah. So that's, this, this company was started to address that, that problem essentially in terms of like um, sending products, am I right? And also the, the, the money. Yeah, mostly profits. Yes. Yeah, all right. So let's, let's let you speak about your own life. <laughs> no. I'm, 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 I'm not doing a very great job of it. No, so no. Let's, um, let's, let's hand over to you. How did it start? Thank, like, thank uh, you for having me. <laughs> Thanks for inviting me actually. My pleasure, yeah. It's an, uh, well, I'm, I'm honoured that you invited me onto mm. the podcast. And thanks, everyone, for coming to listen to my story, I guess, for 45 that, minutes. That, that bit that I haven't already, <laughs> haven't already told. No. Was, whatever. All right. It's, just, it's kind of intimidating with my family right here because it just feels like... I know. <laughs> it's like know a family dinner table. It just feels yeah, like... Yeah, 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 that's right. Except this is the first time you've been allowed to do all the talking. Yeah, know, exactly. Like, and they can yeah. fact check me as well as some friends. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Good bit of accountability. We need that. Yes, um, keeps us humble. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So, um, do you want to just maybe fill us in briefly on well, it doesn't have to be briefly, but you know, where did it come from? Mm -hmm. um, taboo, that is. Yeah, yeah. So, taboo is a social enterprise. It's a brand of organic cotton pads and tampons, so period products. Um, we sell in Australia. Um, products through our website, so it's an e-commerce brand, but also um, through retailers, particularly in South Australia. But the customer base is all around the country. Um, the whole point to Taboo, the whole the reason we started and why it's still going is um, to fulfil our mission of eradicating period poverty. Um, and period poverty is very like broad term. It's pretty much um, the idea of periods stopping girls or women or people who bleed um, from doing the things they should be able to do um, with or without a period, like going to school, contributing to normal life, social life, school life, work life, education, just doing the day-to-day -day things. Um, and the whole there's a lot of factors that contribute to it. One of them being um, cultural taboo stigma around periods and the menstrual cycle and women's reproductive health particularly, um, but also a lack of understanding, education, a lack of access to products, um, whether that be because they're not accessible or because they're not affordable. So there's all sorts of barriers that stop people who bleed from being able to engage in the life that they should. And Taboo exists to address that by using the profits that we make from sales um, at Taboo uh, to be dedicated to our charity partner in Sierra Leone and Uganda. So they work sure. in this area. So that's, awesome. that was to, that's Taboo. Um, I started Taboo in 2016 with my best friend from high school, Eloise Hall. Um, and last year I stepped away from Taboo 
Um, and Eloise is still running it and she's doing really well with it. So cool. yeah, I think we're yeah. going to talk a lot about that whole yeah. Well, actually, I don't really know what we're going to talk about. Yeah, you've, <laughs> got, you've got no idea what's no. in this little book here, okay? You, you think that that's what we're yeah, going to be talking it's, about. <laughs> it's terrifying and exciting. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. Um, I, I just want to get a bit of a sense of what that was like, because, like, you were 18 years old. Like, like, I'm just thinking back to when I was 18 years old, and I wasn't starting any non-profits, um, <laughs> at least uh, none that I can remember. You know, so it's like um, you were too drunk. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that, that's not all the time, but yeah. I only Fair say bit, that because yeah. I was half the time too. Yeah, yeah, right. So, so how do you, how do you like, how do you uh, like, what were you thinking? You know, like not, not like what were you thinking, but what like how did you um, come up? with that self-confidence, I guess you would call it, that confidence to like pick yourself. Mm. Because, you know, it's almost like there's this feeling of like you're not supposed to do stuff like that. You know what I mean? Well, everyone thinks, everyone says you should do like sell some cookies or whatever, <laughs> you know, if you want to help someone out. Like, yeah, mm. how did that happen? Mm. I've tried the cookies before too, yeah. but I, Actually, I, I must credit that to my school. Um, yeah. I went to Walford, so um, an old girls' school in Adelaide. Um, and honestly, it was very drilled into us that we could really do whatever we wanted. Um, it was very, it was a school that was very um, kind of directed towards the sciences and the math, blah, blah, blah. But outside of that, it was very much like, yes, you're a young woman, girl. Um, whatever, but that won't stop you from doing anything. Um, so we were encouraged a lot to engage with like charity stuff, um, start projects. If if I had like asked any of the teachers, I had this idea they'd help you with it, mm. which is a huge privilege. Like not many people get that at school. Um, and when I left school, I remember um, I've got a friend here from Walford in my year two, and Georgie might be familiar with this as well. But it's um, very much empowering that sort of stage of middle school and high school. But then I remember in year 12 them being like, oh, by the way, like, it's not going to be like this in the real world. Like, you're going mm. to step out there and then your age is going to be an issue, your, um, your lack of experience is going to be an issue, your gender is going to be an issue in ways that you probably don't even realise or can really comprehend now because you're in this little bubble. So I think um, stepping out from school and starting to boo so quickly, it was literally the, um, the kind of couple of weeks after our last exams that we started it. Um, I think it was pure naivety that gave us the, mm. um, the confidence to do it. Um, yeah, yeah. You'd be, you, your heads had been filled with these sort of Propaganda teachers, like, yeah, yeah, you can do anything. You're like, sweet. <laughs> do you think that there's like an advantage to that naivety? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because I've often felt like with me, with my, even with my furniture practice, and in fact, like as a journalist too, it was often like, I think like naivety often comes in the form of like you get an idea and you get really excited and then you're like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And then like, as long as you commit at that point, it's like you're on the ride mm. and um, you're invested and... I feel like it sort of endows you with a power to do things that you otherwise wouldn't mm. be able to do. Yeah. You know? I absolutely agree. And I think <laughs> as soon as you put something out there and people start to, and you start to engage with people, people are often quite encouraging. Um, and you can kind of spur that energy on as well. I think another advantage of being young too is that there was a lot of people going, you know, we want to help these young girls who want to save the world because it's like kind of cute and like nice that they want to do that yeah. <laughs> and then um that spurred us on and um we'd you know it was like very small steps at a time i think that this kind of conversation reminds me of the sort of concept of imposter syndrome as well which i didn't ever have until a few years after leaving school and like a few years into taboo which is interesting because it was actually when we had a few runs on the board that I started feeling that, which is weird because you'd think that yeah. you would without the experience. But I think 
with the naivety side of things, like I think it's important in that space to also be humble and know your limitations. Because, mm. I mean, the worst thing is someone who, you know, doesn't have certain experience but or knowledge on something, but is convinced they do, and then goes ahead, yeah. full steam ahead, not taking in information or wisdom or experience from other people. So that was our main like basis. That was like the first year was just investing in learning from other people yeah. because we didn't have that. That can be a hard tightrope to walk because like something I've been aware of is um, you need to have a level of confidence to back yourself enough to do something. And then you also need to have the exact opposite, which is like this awareness that really you know nothing. Mm. And I find that sometimes really hard to juggle. Sometimes I feel like I go too far in one direction and then I go too far in the other. Yeah. But how did you find that sort of experience of like gaining and maintaining that humility? I think it's just like a constant, like posture of wanting to learn more and like never thinking that you know it all. Mm. I, and I don't know if that, I, I'm quite a curious person, I would say. And I certainly don't think that I know everything, which is why I find it actually quite intimidating sitting here and looking at it like a room full of people who probably have years on the board of experience on me. <laughs> and I could pick your, all of your brains for days. Which is why it's a bit weird, me being in the seat. But I guess I just, I really like learning from people. And I, I'm very happy to ask questions. And I'm very, very happy to look silly. And very happy to not be the person in the room that knows much. Mm, yeah. So to sort of like put your, um, I, not using this word like negatively, but put your ignorance on your sleeve essentially. Mm. Like wear it on your sleeve. Yeah. 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 And yeah. yeah I, it's like the, the idea of being, it's better to be the worst player in the best team and the best player in the worst team. Like, yeah. that's where you learn. Yeah, I, I hear what you're saying there. And have you found that people are eager to share knowledge with you when, mm. you, when you adopt that MO? Absolutely. Yeah. I particularly think that's the case in the space that we were operating in, which is like the social enterprise um, charity space, because it's quite a... Um, that area is quite tiring. Like it's a lot of, the, the classic image is like rattling tins, which is exhausting because you're not really like, it's just a, a space that it, it's a lot of giving, not a lot of like getting back. And it's a lot of being really um, like fueled by passion and like a, a wanting to see justice in whatever your area you're impact, like excited about. But also it's a really like rough road sometimes. I've heard there's a lot of psychos in the not-for-profit not <laughs> sector. Does that square with your experience? Well, define psychos. Just like, <laughs> just like sort of bad, like psycho, psychopathic like <laughs> people. Oh, know? right, like yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> evil, like narcissistic, like psychopathic, sort of like... Uh, it's just something I read once. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it on TikTok. Bullshit. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Um, yeah. I mean, it's really hard to, to know what people's motives are in really any industry. And <clears throat> it's, it's particularly hard, I think, when people, uh, and this is something that I think I really worked on quite early on, um, is like disconnecting my personal sense of identity from Taboo and what we were doing. Like, I, it was obviously a clear passion and value of mine, like women's health, gender equality, the social enterprise model in itself. But that wasn't my identity and I find that when it becomes someone's identity mm. that's when things get like a bit fraught and there's so much riding on that for them that the motivations and the decisions can get more subjective than objective which is where I think people run into trouble yeah but um I mean I didn't master that I like I really struggled with that for a long time and Leaving Taboo was a whole nother thing. What did you struggle with? I struggled with, um, well, particularly in 2021 when I was named Young Australian of the Year for Taboo, um, which was not something I was expecting or prepared for or anything like that. Um, I 
made it very clear to myself and to the team and to, to everyone that this was a, a platform that was for Taboo. Like my job was to kind of reflect all the energy back to Taboo because we needed the energy to run as a business, but also to fulfill our mission, which is to start these conversations um, and you know, plant the words like period, uh, period poverty, pads, um, all of that into people's like daily conversations. And this national platform is gonna be absolutely perfect for that. So that was my job for the year. And the Australian of the Year Awards, they love attaching like personalities and faces to these stories. And so that's kind of the angle that a lot of the stories wanted to take. Like, you know, this is Young Australian of the Year who represents taboo, she represents like period poverty, blah, blah, blah. That's what a lot of the journalists are asking you about, blah, blah, blah. And my job was to direct it back to taboo, but it's very easy to then feel like that's what people are associating you with. So like you are synonymous with taboo or whatever you're doing. And people get it in all sorts of industries and um, through all sorts of roles. It's when you become, like that becomes your identity. And it can very easily do that, especially when you get getting positive mm. reinforcement for it all the yeah, time. You got like a whole year of like TV appearances and like just people kind of like getting you in for stuff. Yeah, and also the, when even the people that aren't interviewing you, it's like the people around you where the, the first question they ask is always, how's Taboo going? You know, that's like, it becomes your, all your conversations, all your decisions, all your like thoughts. Was that like unsettling in any way? You know, like did that, did that feel weird to just be this like, to just be like a Taboo robot or whatever in people's, you know, it's like... <laughs> You know, uh, like you used to be a human being, yeah. but now you've just got like this one I'm a pad thing. now. Yeah, yeah, it's just like a walking tampon. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I was wrestling with it, like the whole identity thing, but I think like I'm pretty blessed with my, my family and my boyfriend and my close friends who know that I'm... Like more than taboo and if taboo absolutely soars and flies that's not just because of me at all mm. as in there's this ginormous team my co-founder Eloise is amazing she's like a huge part of taboo everything else it's the it's like the crowdfunding um the people who helped us raise the the startup capital it's the community it's the people that we're actually trying to like work alongside all that like that's what taboo is and they also know that if taboo absolutely flopped it wouldn't that's not just a reflection on me either. Like it's we're separate entities, kind of thing. Yeah. So it was really um, that was always that always brought me back. But um, yeah, well, it sounds like you did a. It sounds like you've got a very philosophical attitude, and that's. I feel like that's done a lot for you through this process. Mm. But that a being blessing said, and a curse. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, of course. Mm. I think it's generally a blessing. Yeah. But it's like you know, I know, I know it can be like get a bit heavy, but like, <laughs> but. Uh, I want to know. Something you said about imposter syndrome earlier is like, it wasn't a, it wasn't a thing. Like, when did that start to bite? And like, what maybe did that? Mm. I think like the, um, actually, cause I, so since I like left Taboo, I've, I've been a medical student for the last uh, five years, but I've had a couple, um, actually seven years, but I've had a couple years off, like to focus on Taboo. And um, now I'm a medical student full-time. I'm at the RA most days of the week. And um, one of the doctors the other day, I asked about some syndrome that he was talking about. And he said, oh, you know, the more, the more you learn about it, the more you realise, like, it's very not clear-cut and it's very not black and white. It really could present in this whole spectrum of ways. And um, I found that an inter interesting little anecdote that that's kind of how I felt with Taboo, I think. The more we got into it, the more I realised I absolutely had no idea what I was doing or what we were doing. And um, maybe that's when it started. Mm. And it's, I think it, it's kind of people say that all the time, that like the more you know, the more you realise you don't know. Yeah. But also, um, I think when I was doing a lot of panels and interviews and stuff... When Is this prior to The Young Australian or uh, post? Uh, uh, more so in that year, but um, even beforehand, 
it's uh, the f one of the first questions is always like, how do you deal with imposter syndrome? Um, and I've always found that funny. Actually, I never questioned it until recently, but now I'm kind of having this conversation with myself about the concept of imposter syndrome. And I haven't really come to a conclusion because I don't know if it's great to keep talking about it or not. Like mm. For you or for the um, world? Almost for the world. Like it's, if you look at a lot of the panels or the interviews, a lot of the people that are asked, and, and if anyone thinks anything differently, please like say, because I haven't actually come to a resolution in my head about this concept. Well, what are you wasting our time for then? <laughs> <laughs> you don't have all the answers, what are we? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I found that constantly being asked about imposter syndrome reinforced that I should be feeling it. And that does, do you know what <laughs> I, I mean? <laughs> How's the imposter syndrome? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was doing fine up until, until like ten minutes about ago. It. Yeah, yeah. That's kind. Right. Yeah. It's kind of yeah, exactly yeah, what I yeah. mean. But then I it's also, like I didn't know I was an imposter. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> oh, like you found me out before yeah, I even yeah. found me out. Like, but That's um, fair. no. I th but a lot of the time as well, the people that are asked that question are, it's always the like young women panel that mm. gets asked it, mm. and like I've I've never really like older corporate women vibe panels don't often get asked it. Mm. Younger mixed gender panels don't often get asked. I feel like it's the young women that always get asked, mm. "How are you going with your imposter syndrome?" <laughs> and then you just you just think, "Oh, you know, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe I'm actually the odd one out here." And mm. you've reflected that, and now you think I'm so amazing that I got over that, <laughs> which is yeah. crazy. Oh, look, I can I give you my thoughts on that? Yeah. Okay. Um, Please. <laughs> my, you know, like push your theory forward or, you know, tweak mm -hmm. it. But, like, I think my, my feeling is that, yeah, don't ask young women on panels about how their imposter syndrome is going, you know. But you sharing your experience of it, I think, is helpful mm. for every, maybe probably a lot of you guys, certainly for me, because I experience it a lot, mm. you know. And um, I think, like, one of the biggest things that holds people back in doing certainly creative work but I'm so I'm sure like any kind of entrepreneurial endeavor is just feeling like that's a different type of person mm. you know what I mean like a really good a really stark example would be an artist mm. an artist is like a, this being you know what I they mean this is this thing. that's right they have like a spiritual muse like upon their shoulder or whatever, yeah. you know what I mean and it's like it's just what what that is is that's just actually bullshit you know yeah. it's like an artist is someone who just started painting at some point in the past mm. and maybe just really liked it and therefore yeah. just got really good at it you know true so yeah. um I like that addition to anyway, my concept yeah. <laughs> it's just a thought no, so you... in the in the spirit of that um yeah can you maybe tell me because I imagine... I'm very happy to talk about imposter syndrome. Okay, right? just... <laughs> please just, ask Yeah, yeah, no, no, I, I know, I know. But please, um, yeah, I guess I was just going to ask, because you were talking about how um, it was later um, after, um, after you'd had some wins on the board, you know, and um, maybe it was like learning a lot, but I also find like sometimes once you've got some wins on the board, that's when it can start to kick in a little bit because all of a sudden people expect you to know your stuff. You know what I mean? Mm. It's like, you know, and also I think the other thing that I find is it's like all of a sudden you've got a lot to lose. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I don't mean like, you know, you know, just by way of an example, um, <laughs> this, is, this is a really embarrassing thing to say but I started a TikTok account a while ago and, um, <laughs> anyway um, and uh, one of my first video I was like I'm just going to put up videos on this every day and they'll be really shit but no one will see them because no one in the entire design communities on TikTok because so I was like this is a safe place to just suck and I was quite <laughs> weird shit and um, one of my early videos popped off 
because that's just what happens on TikTok sometimes. You know Apparently, what I mean? Apparently, I have no idea. Yeah, and it didn't There's go. There's some social media experts. Yeah, I'll ask some of them. Yeah, yeah, they might know more about it. But like, um, and then all of a sudden, I was like, oh shit! Like, um, now, now I've got like this audience. I started getting people following me, and I was like, far out. <laughs> and it was like I went from being just like, what even is TikTok? I'll just load that and then like just go back to Instagram where all the scary people are, you yeah. know, who, who are judging me, to being all of a sudden like, oh, far out. Now there's like, now I've got these, now I've got some followers, not many, but I've got some people who are actually presumably watching my content. And you know what I mean? Yeah. It's like actually now there's pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I wonder if that's part of it. No, I think that's yeah. such a perfect example. And, yeah. um, it's not I, quite on the same level as starting like a, a an NGO, but you know what no, I'm saying. Like, yeah. You know what? I, you know. I actually like I resonate with that because <clears throat> I have probably a, a toxic relationship with social media, not because I actually do much on it, but because I'm literally paralyzed by imposter syndrome to, mm. to do anything on social media. That's pretty normal, I reckon. I yeah. I think it is. And this is why mm. it is important to talk about imposter syndrome, I guess. Because yeah. um yeah, yeah, it I like I find it fascinating that like so many of you guys are here to listen to us speak. I wouldn't even speak on social media of my own accord for like five seconds because I'm like, people don't really care what I have to say. There's so many voices out there. Like there's, it's just such a saturated place. And I find it so hard not to just think like, what is my little two cents going to add to it? But I think that's imposter syndrome because then I also have people asking me to speak at things or like, but I'm not sure actually. I haven't really, like I, I'm, I'm terrified of social media to be honest. Well, there's only one cure. So I'm going to prescribe the remedy, which is open a TikTok account <laughs> okay, and uh, start throwing shit up on it. And, uh, yeah. Well, you do wonder like, what are you actually scared of? Because I'm way less scared of, talking to you all in this setting mm. than I would be oh, posting yeah. a video yeah. of me talking. I don't, and if I said the yeah. exact same thing, yeah. I don't know what the difference is. Is it because yeah. you, th like, you might think you, it looks like you think other people care so much? I don't know. That's what I kind of feel. Well, do you know what I think? <laughs> Sorry, I've got an opinion about everything. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> it could get annoying, but I'll, I, like, I, my feeling is that it really is like the purest version of imposter syndrome because Here's my thought, right? It's like, when you're here because I invited you to come here and there's like a, it's like this authentication. You know what I mean? It's like- It's a validation Yeah, it's well. a validation. It's kind of like, okay, this is a, a genuine um, invitation experience. Yeah. There's a reason. It's a little bit like if you go to a restaurant by yourself in Adelaide where yeah. people are going to come in and see you. It's hard, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> I've done it, actually, just because I, I don't know, I was listening to a podcast and it was like, it was they were telling story. you to do that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so, but it's really hard. And I think it's because, like, you don't have a good excuse. Like, you don't have a good, mm. if someone says, Invitation. hey, what are you doing here? Who are you with? You just got nothing. Mm. Me, and myself I mean? and I, me and my multiple personalities exactly. sitting at this table. And it's like when you start making videos, you're like talking, saying stuff on social media. It's like you're picking yourself. Like, yeah. how dare you, you know, do that? I how think the you word you used before, yeah. which I really liked for this, was invitation. Like, mm. you haven't been invited. You invited me, so I felt validated and allowed yeah. to speak to everyone here. Yeah. But on social media, it's you inviting yourself to that like platform. Yeah. And I don't even think I have the confidence to do that, to be honest. So mm. that's me being authentic right now <laughs> and telling you all that. It's, I don't think you're alone. Yeah. I really don't. It's mm. really hard to do. And like, I know, I know that for me, when I first started talking into a camera and posting it, it was like, you know, it wasn't so dissimilar to like jumping off a freaking 10 story building. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like you really had to like, you post it and then you're like, you know, like your first instinct is just to immediately delete it. Yeah. <laughs> and then it's like, it's not only scary once, it's scary for like the whole fucking night yeah. as well. And like the next day, and then, you know what I mean? It looks yes. like it doesn't go away. Yeah, yeah. So it is, it's quite, it can be quite, um, it's difficult. And I, and I think that a lot of that, you know, and you spoke about some of your good experiences at school 
and I don't know how much of this is innate, just human psychology, mm. but I do feel like we are programmed in our schooling environment and various other ways in the, the world that we live in to kind of um, to wait to be picked, essentially, yeah. you know? And I know that you had some different messages, but I do think that that is like a pervasive kind of idea. Mm. And to pick yourself is um, maybe even especially in Australia with, you know, people talk about tall poppy yeah, syndrome, true, you know, but like true. it is seen as being, um, I don't know, just socially um, undesirable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and not something that we want to, like we don't want to portray ourselves to be the person that backs yourself. Like, and that's something that I've been working on re like recently, just simply like backing myself more, even like challenging people a little bit more and not just assuming that everyone's right all the time because that's something that I've done for a long time. Actually, I don't know if this is helpful for other people and I don't, don't look too deep, don't think too deeply about it, but um, a little while when I, last year when I was like really not confident about m myself, I just decided to like tell myself like, okay, this is the moment you have to exude big dick energy. <laughs> and I'd wake Hang on, up. hang on, hang on. Let me... Just gonna, <laughs> I need that, I need that, um, yeah. yeah. Like, and, okay. and it happens a lot at hospital yeah. when you feel like the smallest person in the room. Yeah. As a fourth year, I was, last year was my first year on placement. And I had just come from this year of like being invited to speak at all these things and being given these platforms and having something to say that, was like bigger than myself as well. So you can kind of like, and that's what I loved about it. Like I was talking about what I was doing was for taboo. It's like this issue and this cause that is not about myself. It's bigger than myself, which I felt comfortable in. Yeah. But then when you're advocating for yourself, yes. so much harder. Mm. And when you're representing yourself, yeah. it's a lot more exposing. And um, I didn't have anything to hide behind. So it would just be me in the hospital room or whatever. Um, and the people who were much smarter than me. And I was just like the person that, and every medical student would, um, would resonate with this. Be like being the person that no one really knows the name of. No one really cares if you're there or not. If you don't come, they'll be like, oh, they didn't come, black mark. But if you yeah. come, they won't like yeah. do anything with you, yeah, <laughs> just yeah. stand there. It's like, oh, you're here. Yeah, so you kind of lose yeah. both ways. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's like that, that contrast between 2021 and 2022. Big contrast. Like, and I was expecting yeah. it as well. And I had pumped myself up for it. I was like, Izzy, this is going to be a rough year. Like mm. you just, it's just a season, just like grit your teeth, bear, bear through it. It'll be fun. Like, what dad always said, Nick, what does dad always say that like annoys me? Just smash it out. Just smash it out. <laughs> like, smash it out. And I used to be like, yeah, just smash it out. And now I'm like, I hate that phrase. Cause it's like, I, I like your one better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe bring that back to your dad. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Update. But yeah. it's hard. You can't just smash out hard things. Sometimes you like, the easiest part is being like, okay, I'm, I'm preparing my mind for this. It's going to be hard. But then when you're actually in it, it's the every day that's the hardest. It's like the... The waking up at seven or getting somewhere that no one actually wants you to be at at 7.30 and then showing up and then being there for the day and then leaving and not even knowing if it was the right decision in the first place, that's the hardest part yeah. and then doing it yeah. again in the morning. That's right. It's that war of attrition. You can't smash that. As you say, you can't yeah. smash that out. It's like it's long-term, drawn out, every yeah. day is hard. There's no reward at that point. You're not, mm. it's not like anyone's going, um, it's not like anyone's paying you like $300,000 a year. Yeah. Or, do you know what I mean? And it's not or like, like seven years. It's like, wow, this is yeah, a medical yeah. student. And she like, yeah. she is like living on Oz study. <laughs> You're like, where's the news station? Yeah. I just don't understand yeah. what the hell's going on this yeah. year. Yeah, that, that, well, that is a huge thing. That's like a big change. So, um, can we come back to that in a second? Yeah, maybe. Sure. Just, but like, um, <laughs> just quickly, like, leaving Taboo. What was that about? Why did you leave? And like, um, and what was that mm. like? I think like the the simple answer, and I guess the short of it is that I was really struggling physically, like to to physically 
do the two, juggle the two, medicine and taboo. Um, and also like emotionally and mentally to juggle the two. Um, they both require like a lot of emotional investment and I was really like just burnt out at, about it. Um, the other, but I think when it, it, the more complicated answer is like there were obviously external pressure. And I think this is the case with any big decision and like decide, if you're juggling two things, deciding to go one way or the other. The external pressures was that Taboo was growing and um, I couldn't give it what it needed, like in terms of my time. And it was also like, it gets riskier, like the bigger it grows. And like, I kind of had to decide where I was gonna put my time. The more internal part of like, I guess the other aspect to it is where I was internally. And I think the, what really pushed me over the edge was this sort of idea in my mind and maybe feeling at peace with the fact that I had kind of done what I set out to do in terms of my personal goals with Taboo. Like my, my role at Taboo was a lot of like the advocacy and education stuff. Um, and that is a huge part of period poverty. And I, by the end of that 2021 year, um, all the states around Australia had committed to um, a certain budget for period products in schools, which was like a huge win. Yeah. Um, people were talking about it a lot more readily. There was a lot of funding for things like endometriosis. There was a lot of funding in the area. There's a lot of chat in the area and people were becoming more and more comfortable with the idea of periods. And um, for me, when I was at like that crossroads, it was a really hard decision. Like, actually, I think I'm more proud of making that decision than like anything else, because mm. that was the hardest part for sure. Yeah. Um, and that was, that was a bit different as well, because you had to make that yourself. You had a business partner to run the business with, and then all mm. of a sudden there's a big life decision. And it's not like, it's not like there's an answer. Like, was that something you wrestled with? Like, yeah. to leave, not leave? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, like, um, I think that I was, what, 23 or 24 at the time. I feel like at well that age and that age I am now, which is only one year after, so 25, <laughs> for all the maths people out there. <laughs> um, Medical student. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, like, I, I think it's still, I mean, it's probably the case at any age, to be honest. I don't, I don't know what it's like to be any other age. But um, you come to a point where you realise that you're the one that has to make these decisions for yourself. And that responsibility is, like, on you. And there's no real right or wrong. Like, I could have easily decided to stop med. And that was obviously the other option. And I, I obviously wrestled with that idea as well. But... At the end of the day, no one was going to tell me what to do or people would give me their opinions or ideas. But I mean, the people that really care aren't going to tell you what to do because they, yeah. they tell you like what the options are, what your pros and cons might be. They know you so they can speak into that, but they're not going to tell you you should do this. And yeah, and even if they do, they might, you still know that they might be wrong. You yeah, know and they I mean? might it's be wrong. Like, yeah. There's no guarantee. Exactly. And actually, I don't really think that it was any right or wrong. Like it's just, you just have to kind of sit with the uncertainty of it. Like I... You, have you ever tried to Google something that is ungoogleable? Yeah. You know, like, did I get the job? Oh, fuck. Yeah. Don't, don't know yet. <laughs> Just, no, know, that's like... why ChatGPT is so dangerous because oh. I ask it all sorts of questions. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, wow. That could get real sad real quick. I oh, it, it, it has. Yeah. I was, I was alone in Denmark on the night before my exam and I like, needed yeah. company. It was ChatGPT. <laughs> Jeez. Right. That was even, the low yeah. point. I haven't even been on there. I'm like way like big laggard with tech. It's but, intimidating um, actually. Tech. Mm, yeah, yeah. Um, so. Yes, wrestling with decisions. That's right. <laughs> and so you just had to like go for it. And do you feel like you made the right decision? Yeah, I do. And I think it comes to, I mean, it was a bit of a, a gut decision, I guess. Um, I, I mean, I, like, I don't want to all get go all too like spiritually and everything, but I have like a, a like a faith background, like a Christian background, and I like challenge that all the time. And I'm actually not in a very strong spot with it at the moment, but I still challenge it. And like, I've found that 
particularly early stages of taboo, when I felt very strong in like this sense that you have a purpose or this like force out there knows what you're meant to be doing and like can kind of give you that blueprint. I found decisions a lot easier because I think, I don't know what was going on. Like I, I'm still questioning it all the time. So I'm like, maybe it's just chemicals in my brain. Maybe it's just like, mm. actually I know what my gut feeling is. But now that I've got this external validation, like I can put my, like I can put, I can invest in that. Or maybe it is this divine intervention. I honestly, I can't tell you, I'm still working on it. <laughs> if anyone figures it out, let me know. <laughs> but, can someone look that up on chat, JP? Yeah. <laughs> Check that out, yeah. But the, like, I think there is, there was an element of like a gut of some sort, a gut of some sort. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sounds like, <laughs> that sounds like something you should look into, a gut yeah. of some sort. Yeah, yeah, it's a way forward of sorts. For yeah. Sure. Yeah, for real. Um, I think a lot of it is just being young as well, right? You know what yeah. I mean? Because like when you get older, you get jaded in a, in a good way. But it's also in a bad way, you know what I mean? It's, it's, it's good because it's um, having like those youthful interpretations of the world can be beneficial. It's kind of mm. like your school's telling you, you can do this and you believe them. Mm. And so you do it and then you're like, holy shit, this is actually really, really hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah, sorry. Keep no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like, because you were talking about your faith background and like, you know, believing that like, you know, God had your back or whatever. It may, is that... Or there's like a purpose. Like you, act, you yeah, actually yeah. were created for, to do something. Sure, sure. Yeah. And when you think that, you see these opportunities and it's not just a coincidence. It's like, you know, it's the thing you're meant to be doing kind of thing. Yeah. It just puts more... Gives you like a sense of certainty or yeah. kind of like yeah. a bit more. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And the thing I think also when you're like, well, when I was coming out of school as well and the benefit of like being that age, if you try something, like you can always, like when I was like, I'm committing to taboo and I've got, and I deferred med. So I had that like as a backup, which was a huge, like that's a privileged position. I'm aware of that. But then also I was like, you know, if it all turns to shit, maybe I can still be an actress, <laughs> you yeah, know? Yeah. Like when you're like that age and like obviously, Obviously, yeah. that's like. Um, what's I've the just word? recently given up on the idea of being a world circuit um, tour surfer. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> just the fact that I really suck was kind yeah. of. It was a, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and I don't have any ba acting yeah. background either. Like that was a delusion. But like yeah. you're delusional <laughs> at that stage. Yeah, yeah. And it kind of gives you this like sense of okay, well I can try this because if it doesn't work out, I've still got X Y Z. When you're, but now I like get stressed because I'm like, oh, I'm 25. Oh and man, I know you're getting like, really so, old. Yeah, I hate to yeah, say it. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I know yeah. that that's delusional too. So maybe I'm just delusional actually. Yeah, that seems to be the theme of the <laughs> yeah. conversation. <No. laughs> um, man, I, I feel like we could chat forever, but I'm conscious that some people are standing up. And so, oh, true. yeah, um, not blaming you guys or anything. <laughs> but like, I was thinking maybe. It would be good to open up some questions from you guys and um, maybe if there's any themes that you feel like we should have covered, you can find a way to... Yeah, yeah so leave it in. Anyone got a question for Isabel? <clears throat> Sarah. Because, mm. like, you know, can you do something that's, like, even bigger? Can you, like, trump what you've achieved? <laughs> so I was just curious how you feel about your future. That, <laughs> which I'm sure is going to be amazing. No, no, no. I feel like that is such an insightful question because, like, I... Yeah, it actually does scare me a little. Not... Yeah, I feel like, honestly, I feel like my boyfriend could answer this question better than I can <laughs> in terms of like, yeah, I like, <coughs> I feel this pressure maybe, definitely, yeah, I do. I do feel this pressure <laughs> that if I don't get to that level, like, what does that even mean? Like, get to that level again, I have kind of failed. Or like, mm. if 
But, so this is how I felt with that TikTok video. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly the same. Yeah, thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It yeah. is. Par I think it is paralyzing because, like, the if I try something again and it doesn't work, like, why did taboo work? Maybe it had nothing to do with me, which I'm sure I probably didn't, to be honest. But like, it was lucky, and that, like, how much of that was because of me? I guess like, just going for those opportunities exposes you again to like failing, like it does for everyone. Um, and this one thing taboo that didn't fail maybe is that yeah the shadow in my past <laughs> that haunts me <laughs> yeah look she signed a disclaimer prior to coming yeah. to this podcast all right i bear no responsibility <laughs> no but also like, i'm trying not to be too deep about things as well <laughs> in life well you're generally. failing miserably right? yeah <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> so. <laughs> So true. Yeah. Um, no, I like that though. Yeah. Yeah. Know, keep that open. Like it's. Hey, it's just it's life, right? Yeah, I think everyone has it's it. Not like clean, it's, just, it's not easy. You know. It's just the fear of failure, I guess. So we. Sorry, I, I know. Yes, Anna Maria, go. Yeah. No, I was just going to ask quickly: Is that going to stop you from? Do you feel like that would legitimately stop you from trying the next big thing? Uh. No, no, but I think like right now what I'm working through is like I, I do have a lot of um, like negative thoughts at the moment in terms of like things. Wow, this is getting really deep. <laughs> like um, I, I constantly tell myself like X, Y, Z didn't happen because of you. That was a fluke. That was a coincidence. Like. If anything, you probably just made the whole process more difficult, X, Y, Z, which is that's, stupid. That's very mean to yourself. Exactly, and that's what I'm working on because I, yeah. I know that that's... But it's also, it's not just... On the one hand, it could be mean. On the other hand, that actually can be good because um, questioning yourself is not always a bad thing. That's something I think mm. we don't really hear because it's nice to have some self-esteem. It's also nice to... Um, realise that you don't know everything and that you don't mm. have the answers. You know what I mean? Yeah. Question that frame a little bit. Yeah. 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 Mm. And, yeah, and also like, just being really conscious of, like, why you're doing things. Like, if I was to jump on the next big thing because I'm trying to chase that high again, like, that's just absurd. And that's not where I want to be. I want to be doing the next, whatever the next thing is and I have no idea what it is because I am passionate about it because I think... It's good for my skill set because I think I can offer something and because I believe in it. Like, I don't want to, yeah, just chase that a feeling again. <laughs> like, mm. well, not that I'll chase a feeling then, but I don't want to chase a feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Anna Maria. Yeah. Oh, well, you kind of just spoke to that. I wanted to ask you about, you know, you made the decision to go back to med medical school and, you know, what was the intention behind that? Because mm. that can be your driving force yeah. for anything. Exactly. Yeah. Well, actually, um, I I wanted to do. I decided I wanted to do med in year eight when I read a book about an obstetrician and gynaecologist who worked in um, Ethiopia, and she worked on women who um, had suffered a lot of complications because of um, like physical complications and psychological complications because of um, really difficult uh, childbirth. And a lot of that is like um, tears that occur between like the vagina and, and um, like the bum or like the, um, so you, you get like women that are constantly leaking like feces or urine. Um, and they're totally ostracized from their villages because they're smelly and they can't contribute because they've got this like disability now. Often they've lost their child as well, which is just traumatic. And I was really taken with this woman's journey and I think what I really connected with which actually then you know came about with taboo as well was the fact that like the female body the reproductive system it's just like miraculous it's incredible what it can do but then the fact that it can become such a barrier for someone whether it be through pregnancy in itself or through traumatic childbirth or through periods things like that through menopause all of those things that then like 
I just find, and that's what kind of drives me, I think, and that's what dri drove me through Taboo and what I think drives me through Med too, is this concept that like, why on earth should women be punished for having the bodies that they have when that body is just what gives us all life? Like, it's incredible. And it fascinates me. I like learning about it, but I like, am just obsessed with what it can do. And then it, it angers me, and I think anger's a good driving force as well, that it can then be a barrier for people. And then that kind of, the domino effect is this like, more global, very large scale issue of gender inequality that we have. Um, and biology and pathology plays a lot into that. So that's kind of where I sit, I think, in my passion. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Any other questions? Yeah. Daniel? question <clears throat> if I have I think it's been very like I th I've been quite uh, oblivious to it this one time this girl came up to me and she was like quite drunk I think at this stage and she like ran up to me and she was like I love what you guys are doing with taboo I just want to let you know that like whenever anyone says like bad things about it I always defend <laughs> you guys and I was like I was like <laughs> Uh, like that, that's classic. <laughs> awesome. I didn't realise that. Yeah, I didn't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I'm defending you three times a day, seven yeah. days a week. Like, yeah. yeah, I actually had no idea that there was like, yeah, rhetoric around it. Yeah, but, um, taboo hate. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, yeah. on on Facebook and stuff, I don't really look at it much. But um, when I was like. I had more content out there. There'd be a lot of like, um, I, like what does her dad do? Like, I wonder um, who, like, who funded this, or um, yeah, what what connections she has to make this. Yeah, it was a lot of that, and then there was a lot of like, oh, just a classic like white feminist. Like, she's just like all the others, blah blah. Very basic, like get something new <laughs> kind of yeah. stuff. That would be the comments, and. Um, but I, honestly, I, it's, it's funny that I do have this like imposter syndrome with uh, social media because actually when push comes to shove, that genuinely didn't affect me. So like I don't, don't actually know what I'm scared of <laughs> because you see that and then it did, I was like, actually these poor people, like they don't have anything better to do with their time. Some of their comments would be directly like not in alignment with what we actually had on the content. So I was like, you clearly haven't read it. Like, it's actually a really like silly, awkward, embarrassing thing to say. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, hmm. Yeah. But good question. Sweet. Amazing. Look, I feel like, um, sadly, we'll leave it there. But um, I feel like I could, yeah, we could crack on all night, but um, I'm not sure if like someone would fall over or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know. But thank you so much, Izzy. Oh, it was an amazing chat. Thank you. <laughs>